Hey, time for you to reach your full potential. Getting into health and fitness, this is what you're missing. Going hard, I push you to the limit. Go on a journey with genetics coach Laura Phillips. Yeah, yeah, here to take you to the next level. Been in the health and fitness industry since 07. Working with so many athletes. Push it to the limit with world champions, yeah, and some Paralympians. Hey, working from Brisbane to Singapore. We train, we going hard. All out, we keep it raw. Laura Phillips, let's go. In this week's episode of Real Talk, we talk about long haul flights because they're not easy, my friends. That is a whole lot of strain. Not even getting started on talking about the difference in time zone. That's a whole other host of adjustments. You are in weird ass postures. You are eating shit food because let's face it, plain food ain't nutritious. You are dehydrated. You are stressed. Your body is trying to adjust to a whole host of things that are different to what it would usually experience on a day-to-day basis. And so I got myself thinking, we can do better. We can do better than getting in line and chugging down a liter of water before security tells you to dispose of your liquids that are more than 100 ml, okay? That is no strategy, my friends. That is no game plan. But with this episode in mind, you will find yourself with a game plan. You will find yourself knowing what to do when, how to mitigate jet lag, and how to cope just a little bit better with those 10, 12, 14, and even 16-hour flights. So be sure to have pen and paper nearby. You are going to want to take some notes. There are a lot of gems in this episode that you can apply for your summer vacay, those of you who will be traveling soon. Please enjoy. Be sure to connect with us on the platforms in the show notes below. Hello, Instagram. Hi, hey, hey. We are just setting up the technical side of things. Thank you for joining today's live training. This is on a long haul flight protocol, which I use with my busy female founders and C-suite executives when obviously traveling to mitigate jet lag and maximize productivity and of course minimize downtime upon return so thank you for being here i'm just setting up a few things just want to make sure we're on Streamyard. i have three screens in front of me and it's not at all overwhelming okay Streamyard. i think we are live we're across a lot of platforms, guys. We're on Facebook, Facebook business page, my VIP Facebook group. If you're not a part of that, just leave your name and I will make sure I add you to that. That is the 1% Women Facebook group. We are on YouTube, first time going live on YouTube. So anyone on YouTube, hi. And Twitter, I would love to know what you want to know and what you want to get out of today's live training. This has been a fun one to put together. And I'm here in Singapore. Singapore is so transient. People are traveling all the time, whether it's for business or fun or for a long weekend. I think there is so much more you can do to prepare for a flight other than just relying on hydration, which of course forms part of it, but it's not the full picture. And this is what I see too many people getting wrong. They get to the airport, they are trying to drink as much water as humanly possible because they know they're about to be even more dehydrated than usual. And that's just no game plan or strategy that I want to be a part of. 
we can be much more prepared than that. So today is all about capturing those other tools and techniques that you can implement, which you may not be as familiar with. And so that is what we are going to cover. So let's talk about hydration first. If you haven't seen my or listened to rather my podcast on hydration with Ahmed Ida, you must go and watch that because hydration again is not just how much total liquid you consume in a day it is also about electrolytes okay because electrolytes are going to draw the water into the cell and make it more usable for the body itself there's a lot more the body can do when that water is in the cell and that's the role of electrolytes so the common electrolytes are potassium calcium sodium so just think salt and magnesium did i mention that one that I recommend for every single person and especially if you're traveling across different time zones because it can also facilitate better sleep. Magnesium threonate and bisglycinate are typically my go-to suggestions. I love the brand Proteus, which is a Singapore brand. They now ship, I believe, to Hong Kong as well as Malaysia and potentially Indonesia, but don't quote me on that. So the Proteus Magnesium Bisglycinate, three tablets about 90 to, sorry, 60 to 90 minutes before bedtime is going to aid for better quality of sleep, recovery for those of you who are active, better hydration as well, because again, it's an electrolyte. So that is one of my go-to supplements I recommend for everyone I train and work with. It is key in over 300 endometric functions. So if you're low in magnesium, chances are you're low in magnesium. That's one you want to make sure you're including, and especially if you're traveling, to facilitate better quality of sleep. Because we know once sleep is negatively impacted, everything else tends to be as well. The cascading effect is huge. So take your magnesium. And this is something that most of the women I work with do. They're in a pretty good habit of doing. But for those of you I'm not yet working with, this is something you definitely want to factor in. Um, when it comes to hydration, okay, so electrolytes, supplementing magnesium, we also want to be careful of the things that we're eating on board. So tying into nutrition, what is going to digest well when you're on a flight? Honestly, probably not a whole lot because let's face it, your body is getting different signals and different inputs with regards to what time of the day it is. And this might be a good chance for those of you who practice intermittent fasting to continue with that and apply this. I personally am just going to stick to as much um, fiber-rich food and protein-rich food as possible. For those of you who are sensitive to grains and gluten and dairy, for example, this is absolutely not the time to be taking risks. This is not the time to be seeing what turns up on the plane and just hoping for the best. You want to make sure that your dietary requirements are pre-communicated ahead of time. Have your assistant make sure that that is passed on in selecting what you're going to be eating. So for me personally, I find carbohydrates incredibly sluggish feeling. Um, I, they never leave me feeling super energized uh especially on a plane so i would be mindful of taking in too many carbohydrates on board again your personal preference we all have different digestions different ways of eating that is unique to every single one of us personally knowing that every gram of carbohydrate carries um 
three times the amount of liquids. So this is when we see people losing a lot of weight with ketogenic diets, actually what they're losing is liquid because carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, there's three particles of the uh, liquid of um, H2O for every, uh, every gram of carbs. So that's just something to factor in. That ratio is not gonna play in your favor, especially if we're traveling for long distances and if we're traveling often, okay? No one needs help retaining fluid on a plane. No one. In fact, that's what we want to mitigate. So for me, hydrating at least 48 hours ahead of a long haul flight, if I'm traveling home to Australia from Singapore, I'm going to be proactively increasing my water intake, usually a week ahead of time. I just like to feel organized, but at least 48 hours beforehand, and I'm very conscious in ensuring my water intake is up for the 48 hours after I land. Avoiding carbs on the plane, taking high protein snacks, such as protein bars, having protein powder on me, selecting their protein rich meals on board and keeping my food simple uh, and ingesting as little food on the actual plane itself as possible. I would much rather fill up with a really healthy breakfast at home before taking off to the airport. So talking about hydration and nutrition here, just factoring in what's going to digest well. Typically, it's not going to be carbohydrates. And again, no one needs help keeping fluid on the body, uh, especially when traveling. Water retention is typically something we do okay at anyway. When it comes to circadian rhythms and aligning yourself with and recalibrating yourself with the new time zone, remember it's easier to travel west in the same direction as the sun, okay? So rise in the east, sets in the west. If you're traveling in line with the natural movement of the sun, typically that pattern will play into your favor where you are less likely to experience jet lag, less likely, okay? So where possible, you may prefer to travel west rather than east, just something to factor in. However, there are things we can do to mitigate the impacts of jet lag and minimize the disruption. We want to be conscious of getting exposure to sunlight wherever we are, by the way, not just when we're traveling, first thing in the morning. Now that can be tough if you live in dark, cold environments, even challenging, honestly, living in Singapore where the sun doesn't rise until 7 a.m., by which point I've already been in the gym for an hour, if not two hours. Uh, and then obviously I'm indoors, that can be really, really challenging. So light from the sun is a huge signal and cue to our brain to wake up and start the cognition, start thinking, start getting into work mode, start mentally processing. That is a huge key that we receive from nature. This is incredibly helpful to understand when you're traveling across time zones as well. And if you do not have the most amount of sunlight you would like to have, what you can tend to do is get a, uh, a light pad or even a light box. People who have seasonal affective disorder often will use a light box to help with their symptoms and to alleviate their symptoms. They come in varying strengths, um, some that you can toggle, you can make brighter, less bright so you can dim them. They have different types of lights, so warm light versus cool light. And the, the warmer, the more golden light can be helpful in the evenings to cue to the brain that it's like sunset, 
time to start slowing down, time to start unwinding, time to start getting ready for you know dinner, having a shower, the end of the day, that's what it's cueing to the brain. So this can be incredibly helpful to pack, especially if you have a tendency to travel north um, where it might be cooler and darker. And if you're traveling during winter, especially, so you can just have that light pad or light box situated next to you when you're working. If you're working on a computer first thing in the morning, as you're getting ready, uh, I in fact am considering getting one myself again, because I'm up at 4.30 in the morning and I have no clue what time of day it is until I see the sun at about 8 a.m. when it's finally, finally, finally up in the sky. That is a really, really helpful tool. And it's honestly on Amazon, they range between 20 to 120, even $150. So that is a really small investment to make to help your circadian rhythms more naturally align with where you are. Uh, what amount of sunlight do we want to be getting? is perhaps the next question and i've reviewed a lot of articles and videos especially from dr hooverman who is an ophthalmologist so this is a little bit more his shtick his suggestion is a hundred thousand i believe it's a hundred thousand lux of light before 9 a.m okay so if you're living in a brighter climate where the sun is up nice and early and you're able to get outside and go for a morning walk then good for you, that's awesome. I wish I could start my day the same way. That is going to look like a 20 to 40 minute walk, um, perhaps with sunscreen on your face, maybe neck and the back of the hands, but keeping the rest of the skin exposed to that light. So you can also get the richness of vitamin D. And of course, that has some great immune boosting benefits, which we love because when you're traveling, often your immune system is a little compromised and we don't like that so much. We don't have downtime and just in general, when you're a female founder and C-suite executive, you don't get downtime. There's no off day. You would know that, but we don't have a lot of time to be dealing with sickness or illness, especially for traveling with family and loved ones. For that reason, I love to supplement zinc. Uh, my go-to form would be uh, zinc piclinate because it tends to be the most uh, fast absorbing form. That's just the reason. I like things that work quickly. I am a productive, uh, impatient person. So anything that's efficient to me is great. And hence why I tend to gravitate towards the zinc piclinate. Any brand, I don't think there is one to watch out for or one that is particularly better. Uh, that's just the form that I would go to. And if you travel frequently, I would honestly just be in a routine of taking that daily for immune support, plain and simple. You're going to different climates and environments where there's different germs and different bacteria all the time. You don't know what type of flu season you are going to. Uh, and that's something worth Googling, by the way. That's something worth looking into. You want to look into what is presently happening in the the country or the city that you're traveling to i know if i were to go home in july august for sure there's going to be a cold or flu going around in which case you may opt to get your annual flu vaccination as well so being up to speed and up to date with your flu jabs especially for those of you who travel is going to probably pay dividends uh, particularly if you don't have time for downtime, which again, C-suite execs, female founders, 
know that they don't have time for downtime, okay? Anything to prevent illness is going to be worth it, especially when you travel. So zinc, highly, highly, highly recommend taking that and enjoying zinc-rich foods and making that a common, common place in your diet. And that is going to go a long way, as well as ensuring your annual flu jab is up to speed. So we've touched on exposure to light and that can come in artificial forms as well using a light box if you want a light pad light box sun is ideal though i understand that's not always going to be available especially if you're up early going through notes if you are presenting on stage if you are rehearsing if you're in hair and makeup um, at 7 a.m if your breakfast at 6 a.m 5 30 a.m and then you're in hair and makeup at 7 a.m and then if you're on stage and rehearsing until 9 a.m chances are you're just not going to see the sun in which case it makes sense to have an artificial source but that is something worth factoring in um i want to touch on a number of things how to structure this is going to be interesting let's tie into jet lag while we're at it okay so a lot of us know about circadian rhythms and typically when we think that we refer to lightness and darkness and the corresponding activities we do when it's light and when it's dark and what we don't do when it's light and when it's dark and we have other cues to the body uh, and brain too throughout the day that help us to kind of stay in the zone and stay in rhythm with our normal routine and a lot of those also look like eating and a lot of that also looks like exercise so you have to understand the the brain and the body love to be able to rely on uh, predictability. We always like a homeostasis. We like things to be predictable. You know, we do well when we have a rhythm and routine. So for me, it's up at 4.30. It's usually work by six, work until that noon. Then I usually eat my lunch and I train. And I know how many grams of protein I'm getting. I know how many grams of carbohydrates I'm getting. I know how to maximize my output during that training session because of everything that's happened prior to that. Everything is calibrated around that performance in that workout because I've optimized my performance in those morning sessions and I've optimized my morning routine so that I can get to work on time, you know, presented relatively decently, et cetera, et cetera. So when we think about jet lag and when we think about mitigating the effects of jet lag, we also want to think about what we usually do at what time of day, okay? So if you typically have meetings in the morning, now suddenly you're having meetings in the evening, be aware that the brain is just gonna feel a little bit off kilter because of that. And that's okay. It's, again, some of this you can't really mitigate so much, but just being aware of trying to keep a pattern similar when you travel is going to make a huge difference in terms of how you adjust to a new location, okay? And what is key in understanding this too is what we call a temperature minimum. So it's another thing that Dr. Hooman goes into, which is when our body's temperature is at its lowest point. Now you don't have to take your temperature every 30 minutes for 24 hours or 72 hours to ascertain what this is. I mean, you can if you want to, good luck to you. <laughs> what this typically is, is a period in time 19 minutes before you would naturally wake up. So if I'm waking up at 4.30 in the morning, then my temperature minimum is usually 3 a.m. just based on that routine, okay? 
And what you can do is you can actually shift your body clock by up to three hours per 24 hours. So this is another thing to factor in when it comes to time difference. If I were to travel from here to Paris at the present point in time, the time difference is six hours, okay? Currently Paris is six hours behind Singapore. That means it's going to take me at least two days to recalibrate to Paris time, but it could take me as many as six if I'm only adjusting one hour per day. And as you can see, there's a big difference between taking six days to adjust to a new location and taking two. So what can we do here? Well, when your body is at its coldest point, our temperature minimum, so that's typically 19 minutes before you wake up, if you're exposing your eyes to bright light, so again, if we're thinking about a light box or a light pad or the sun, if the sun is up at that hour, which it might be, not everyone gets up at 4.30 in the morning, I get that. Um, the circadian clock will start to shift so that you will want to wake up earlier and go to bed um, earlier, okay? So it's going to give you a bit of a delay, if that makes sense. And then the opposite is also true. So you can start to see how we can play around with what we expose ourselves to. Because if we're kind of tricking the body into thinking that it's cooler earlier, so for example, if you were to wake up uh, 90 minutes before your normal wake up time and have a hot shower, your body is then going to be forced to cool itself down. So we're almost creating a false temperature minimum, so to speak. And that's going to help you to kind of give you that delay. Meanwhile, when you travel, you don't feel so out of kilter and so out of the local time zone, if that makes sense. So you must also understand that between 9 a.m. and about six hours before your temperature minimum is what we call a dead zone, where irrespective of what we do, we can't really impact the body's feeling in terms of body clock and in terms of jet lag. So there is a bit of a, a dead zone where even if you were to go outside in the middle of the day, get some sunlight, you know, for people who work in an office who aren't getting much vitamin D, that can be a really helpful and healthy thing to do. It's not going to have the effect of shifting your body clock, which you think it might have, okay? So typically there's three things you can do. You can have exposure to light, exercise, again, because exercising is going to raise the body temperature, following which, of course, your body's going to have to cool itself down. Um, and then eating, which can all affect your body rhythm and your circadian rhythms. So this is really, really key in mitigating that feeling of sluggishness and slowness in the morning when you reach a new location and you're trying to wake up. Um, but what is important to factor in when you know that is, again, if you are traveling across a big time zone, if you land and you're getting too much sunlight in your eyes, you can have the opposite effect, okay? So you've got to do a little bit of maths and working this out in terms of figuring out your temperature minimum, in terms of factoring in the time difference, and then factoring in obviously the local time to where you're going. But it's the easiest way we can adjust our body clock without having to rely on things such as melatonin and sleeping pills. To add to this, this is where if you're smart with caffeine, it can make a difference. So naturally you're a, a coffee drinker, 
if you drink green tea or other caffeinated, naturally caffeinated forms of tea, it can really, really help to keep you going. Though do bear in mind, caffeine tends to have a half-life of about five hours, which means that half of what you take, half that dose is still in your body five hours later. So bear in mind, we want to make sure we're not having too much caffeine after about noon in your local destination. So wherever you're traveling to, once you've had lunch, we really want to mitigate how much caffeine we have because we do want to be able to sleep on local schedule. So this is really imperative to know and to not get too carried away with too many coffees and teas in the evening events, networking events, conferences, whatever you might be presenting on. Um, what shall we cover next? I hope you're getting some really great takeaways from this. If you are, let me know. I would love to know what you would love to know. So thank you for watching. Thank you, Instagram. Um, okay. So really it comes down to light exposure in the morning. That's the main takeaway here when it comes to jet lag and adjusting with the circadian rhythms, even if you are off local time anyway. So people in Singapore work all hours especially if they're working with the US, you can give yourself social jet lag, okay? If you're taking an 11 p.m. call and you usually go to bed at 9 p.m., that's a two hour difference. Technically, you run the risk of giving yourself jet lag. In other instances, such as let's say it's Saturday or Sunday, you have the joy and pleasure and luxury of sleeping in. If you are sleeping in two to three hours longer than usual, Again, you are now starting to shift your circadian rhythms and that's why it's challenging obviously to fall asleep uh, on an evening on Sunday if you're waking up late on a Sunday morning. And to add to that, some people have Monday anxiety, like I get that. Um, I love Sunday, uh, I love Monday personally. So that's, you know, very fortunate on my part, but I want you to understand jet lag is not just something we experience due to travel. That's of course what we associate it with. However, you can give yourself social jet lag by taking late night calls, which is outside of your usual wake and sleep time, by again, sleeping in by more than two hours. So I, I do work on a Sunday, I work seven days a week. Um, I do make sure that I am awake no more than two hours after my usual waking time on a Sunday to ensure I am not experiencing jet lag symptoms, okay? So that's just another thing to factor in because a lot of people, will stay up late on a Friday night. It's the end of the working week. Maybe they don't have any calls where usually Monday to Thursday, they have late evening calls. They go out, they stay up late. They stay up later than usual. They stay up two, three, four hours later than usual. They then sleep in two, three, four, five, maybe six even hours later than usual. And then it completely throws them off whack. And now if you are four hours uh, later to wake up than usual, that's going to take you at least two, if not four days to get yourself back into rhythm, by which case it's now Thursday. Okay. <laughs> so people don't really get this. There's only so much quote unquote sleep debt that you can acquire and make up for. And the key is to always wake and sleep within two hours of your normal wake and sleep time wherever possible, as much as possible. And I get that that's not always the case for people, but that's just something to factor in because when it comes to energy,
productivity, output, all the things that we're aiming for, focus, you know, cognition, mental performance, that's going to be imperative. If we wake up feeling sluggish and like we still want another two hours in bed and we, we honor that and we, we give that to ourselves, sometimes we do genuinely need that if we're unwell. However, sometimes we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot by not getting up and exposing our eyes to light before 9 a.m. because really that's the cutoff period. You need that light exposure before 9 a.m. And again, ideally it's 10,000 lux of light. So a lot of light boxes will come in 1,000. Um, the sun, you know, is gonna be your easiest, brightest source. That's gonna look like a 20 to 40 minute walk depending on the intensity of the light wherever you are, the natural sunrise and sunset time. Um, hello, Instagram, thank you for watching. Any questions, just leave them in the comment box, please. I'll be sure to get back to you on whatever questions you may have. And I want to go a little bit more into some other things now. So a lot of people will wear blue light blocking glasses. That's become a little bit of a thing now, which is nice to see. It's another great way to align your body with the natural circadian rhythms of where you are traveling to. Okay. So the key is to be wearing the blue light blocking glasses when you need to start shutting the brain down and calming the brain down. You are not going to do yourself any favor by wearing them in the morning or at lunchtime of where you have traveled to if you in fact want to be awake and alert then. I do feel very peculiar not wearing mine at nighttime. So I do tend to travel with them. It just helps my eyes relax. It helps my brain start to slow down. It cues to my brain that, hey, it's nighttime, less activity let's start to close some tabs in the brain and close some tabs on the computer which of course is always more than enough open what can also help too are going to be dimming the lights so if you're in a hotel room and you have the overhead lights on if you're able to dim them or opt to turn the lamps on the bedside lamps instead of the overheads that's going to make a huge difference again because the less intense light of a golden a warm kind is going to signal to the brain okay slow down time for bed time to relax time to unwind so having bright light can be super helpful at the start of the day having dim warm light at the end of the day can also be helpful for opposite reasons so one is to wake the brain up one is to calm the brain down that is another thing you can really 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 play to your advantage and using your advantage when you travel um, so my mom is great at this i'm getting better at doing this at home in the evenings i will try and have lamps on instead of the overhead lights and i've switched all my light bulbs to be of a warm color instead of that awful stark surgical white bright color for the same reasons it's easier on the eyes it's signaling to the brain that it's time to start slowing down and it's another thing you can do on your devices too. So a lot of you will know, especially if you have an iPhone, especially if you have a MacBook, I'm looking at both, and uh, an iPad, an iPhone, and a MacBook all in front of me. They're all on uh, yellow light. I have that set up in the settings. You can automatically have the light on your device switch from blue uh, white light to that yellow golden color at a certain time of day. That time of day, I would suggest to be sunset, whatever your local sunset time is. Um, though if you're a shift worker, of course, that needs to look different. 
and of course if you're traveling that may need to look different again but if you're in the same zone for quite some time let's say it's five days let's say it's a week or even longer you can just automatically set that up to be normal sunset time based on where you are and that is a really really easy quote-unquote life hack that you can implement to maximize your circadian rhythms uh, it's a lot harder to slow the brain down um, it's a lot easier to keep going okay it's a lot lot easier there's that imbalance in the autonomic nervous system in that sense it's much much easier to wake up earlier it's much much harder to slow down shut the brain down and go to sleep earlier okay so that's something to factor in what we also want to factor in are going to be of course uh, deep vein thrombosis blood thickening and making sure that we are active on the flight okay so my tip and trick is i try and every hour get up onto my feet go for a full loop of the plane and i try and do 50 squats along the way so from nose to tail and back again i'll stop at every main um you know washroom point or every little kitchenette point and i'll try and do 10 squats or static lunges um, or calf raises or even all three why not uh, to keep the blood flowing and to keep myself feeling energized because we don't only combat jet lag but we also have flight uh, fatigue which is of course the change in air it's the um you know less access to water you can't just fill up your bottle whenever you want to uh, and at Changi, what i love is every gate has a, a faucet every gate has a place where you can fill up your water bottle i always take on a massive two liter water bottle uh, if i can i'll sneak on too i will try and get four liters of water onto that plane with me because i would drink that anyway in a day i would drink six liters um, again i'm proactive in hydrating ahead of time so 48 hours before a flight i'm actively proactively increasing my my hydration my water intake though of course on the flight the air is different you dry out faster you can feel it in your fingers you can feel it in your mouth uh, you just know that there's not as much moisture as what you're used to so to combat some of that flight fatigue the feeling sluggishness the feeling like i just want this to be over i just want to go run around outside and put my feet in the fresh grass which is one of my favorite things to do when i land in australia uh, i'd like to make sure i'm active so you're getting that blood pumping back to the heart which is important especially if you have an increased risk of heart conditions or circulatory issues if you have a family history of that you definitely want to look into that for those reasons too i like to wear compression socks now evidence on efficacy of compression socks is so so at best it's so so what we've noticed is it reduces fatigue if worn following exercise or during and or following exercise however the impacts on other claims seems inconclusive i like wearing them because i feel that all the blood just goes to my ankles and stays there thankfully i don't get cankles where your calves start to look like ankles and it all just smushes into the same body part but i do feel better for wearing them so i prefer to wear them a day before i fly and i will wear them on the flight a different pair a clean pair thanks for asking i definitely make sure i do that sometimes i too like to wear a third pair 
once I've landed. So once I've landed in the destination that I'm traveling to, that night I do prefer to wear them. And again, it's just a feeling of support. It's a feeling of getting their blood moving back to the heart. Um, another great technique you can do for this, which doesn't involve getting tight socks on your legs, which can leave you with a sprained thumb or a broken nail, which is not fun, is contrast showers. It's a great thing athletes also use for recovery. The way you would do is you would stand in the shower and you would have the water as cold as you can tolerate for 60 seconds. You would then switch the temperature to as warm as you can tolerate for 30 seconds. I'll repeat. So you're going from cold for 60 seconds to warm, not scalding, don't burn yourself, for 30 seconds. And what that does is it helps to get the blood moving at a faster pace. It accelerates that circulation. If we think about blood vessels being the cross section of a hose, when the blood vessels are cold, they're going to constrict. Okay, so that's going to naturally slow down the, the rate of blood flow. And then when they heat it up, the opposite is true. So they're going to expand when the muscles are warm, when the body is hot, when the blood is moving at a faster rate. It's because these blood vessels, the diameter has increased. Okay. And what that shower protocol allows us to do is kind of just increase, decrease, increase, decrease, increase, decrease the rate of blood flow. And that can almost facilitate as a pumping action and get the blood moving uh, back to the heart at a faster pace. It was the only thing that worked with my swollen ankles when I went to Thailand, uh, Vietnam. Thankfully, this doesn't happen to me very often, though when I got to Vietnam, it was incredibly hot. My ankles were incredibly swollen and I tried everything. This was the only thing that worked. I, I promise you the very next day, the swelling was completely gone. Um, and that's where ensuring you have adequate hydration before you take off and after takeoff is also hugely, hugely, hugely important. For those of you who have varicose veins, circulatory issues, um, uh, con uh, concerns about blood thickening, viscosity, what you may also like to supplement is going to be what we call pycnogenol. I hope I'm saying that right. There might be more than one way to say it. It might be pycnogenol. Um, this is really, really helpful for varicose veins. I've noticed myself, I have a few broken capillaries in my leg and I've noticed a huge improvement in the appearance of that since I've started supplementing roughly two months ago, I would say. So this is gonna be a great way to enhance nitric oxide uptake and improve blood sugar control, which again can be somewhat compromised when we're seated for such periods of time, okay? Typically, the body does well when it's insulin sensitive. How do we do that? We match carbohydrate intake with movement. That's one of the easiest and greatest ways we can improve uh, glucose sensitivity or sugar sensitivity, okay? This is compromised when we intake carbs and we sit and we sit and we sit and we sit and we sit, which is what a lot of people do anyway. And it's made even worse when we're flying because we don't have the freedom and luxury to just get up and move around as we would ordinarily. So pycnogenol, it's a great one. Usually two, 100 to 200 milligrams a day is just fine. And that can make a huge difference to the integrity of your blood vessels, especially if you want to have varicose veins or broken capillaries. So that is something to factor in. Zinc we have covered earlier for your immune support. Uh, picolinate just taken daily, usually 50 milligrams is the standard 
dose that I see on a lot of forms of zinc, uh, picolinate, magnesium we've covered, uh, bisglycinate or threonate for sleep, so 60 to 90 minutes before bed. Often it does better when taken with food. Okay, something to factor in just in terms of digestion, taken with food. Um, what we can also do in terms of uh, reducing inflammation. So, of course, when we're traveling and we're exposed to different climates and environments and stressors and stress, is we tend to accumulate, accumulate, uh, accumulate inflammation. And inflammation can actually be helpful. I think we're starting to figure out that there's a healthy balance of inflammation in the body that we want. Though too much is also not a good thing. So again, when it comes to processing inflammation and uh, blood viscosity, fish oil can be your friend because fish oil has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties. It helps to thin the blood and make sure that that is of a healthy viscosity. And we don't have time for deep vein thrombosis. We just don't have time for swelling. We want the best, comfiest, easiest flight possible with as few additional stressors as possible. Typically 250 milligrams of EPA and DHA combined daily is going to be a great starting point. Again, when it comes to things like moisture, so we notice that, of course, there's a lot less moisture when we travel on flights. If you notice fish oil, has a great, great, great impact on your skin quality and integrity. So just by taking it for the last, I would say also two months, the skin on my hands and my nails is a lot, lot nicer, softer, smoother, buttery. Uh, it's, it's definitely not as rough of a texture as it used to be. Skin cell turnover is every 30 days as well. So it might be a little early to tell, but I would really, really recommend taking fish oil when you travel. If not always taking it, to be honest, I think it's just a great uh, anti-inflammatory to be taking, especially in this day and age when people are easily working 60 hours a week, they're starting at six, they're working till nine, 10, 11 at night with several back-to-back -back international calls and flights. It's just going to add up. Inflammation is just going to add up. And again, there's a healthy balance of inflammation, but too much is not good and not enough is also probably not good. That is something to factor in. Uh, if you like chamomile tea, I have good news for you. There is an ingredient in chamomile tea which is helpful in reducing stress uh, and inducing sleepiness. So if you are one to have tea in the evening and if you're at a networking event but you're starting to wind down for the day and you're looking for an exit point, uh, this is going to be helpful in further reducing the intensity of thought, the uh, ability of the body to kind of slow down, start to wind into that evening, nighttime switch off zone. So if you had to have a go-to drink in the evening, oh my God, please not alcohol, because alcohol is not going to help your body calibrate to new time zones. It's going to have a hugely negative impact on your ability to get good quality sleep, especially if you had to have an alcoholic beverage, let it be after five, six, seven days when you're finally calibrated with your new time zone, like please. Anything prior to that is really not going to help you at all. So something to factor in. But if you had to have one drink in the evening outside of water, it would have to be chamomile tea. Okay, there's an active ingredient there, which is, again, going to induce sleepiness, help your body wind down, 
cool down, start to recognize the fact that it's evening and it's time to start switching off. And we need that. It's hard to switch off, especially after a big day, a lot of adrenaline, a lot of presenting, a lot of note taking, a lot of networking, a lot of shaking of hands or fist bumps, high fives. You know, that, that becomes very, very exciting and hard to calm down from. So that is a great option to have in the evening. And again, once you get back to your hotel room, making sure that the lights are dim, make sure you're wearing your blue light blocking glasses, making sure that your yellow light is switched on to your devices, so your iPad, your iPhone, your MacBook, making sure that the yellow light, the night shift light is on there, is going to make a huge difference. And if your light box has the evening light function where it's the warm yellow glowy light, that is something we can use to, again, help calm the brain and body down. So that would be your nighttime routine if you're traveling across several time zones. That is something I wanted to point out. Now, if you're traveling for less than 72 hours, I would suggest just staying on local time, just stay on your home time zone. Again, because the, the brain and the body can only adapt up to three hours per 24 hour window. It's probably not going to be worth your effort to try and adjust your body to only travel for one or two or even three days. It's just not worth it. Just do your best to stay on local time if your total travel duration is less than 72 hours. Remember that West is best. So if you can break your trips into a few flights, if you need to, for example, go Singapore to Dubai, from Dubai to Paris, from Paris to London, that is actually going to be more beneficial to you than going Singapore straight to London. You're going to have a bit more of an opportunity to recalibrate, readjust, recalibrate, readjust, than just nose driving straight into a seven hour time difference. That's really important to know and traveling west where possible. I think that covers all the main points I wanted to cover. Uh, when sleeping, the one thing I haven't yet touched on is using eye shields. So you want to make your room as dark as you possibly can draw all of the curtains. I love those eye shields, even in Singapore, because my curtains are just not very dark and my, my condo faces the pool. So there's a lot of lighting from the lights that surround the pool and some of the common areas. For that reason, I and because of the lightning storm, hello, like the lightning from the other night was insane. So the eye shields can make a huge difference. You might just want to pack one in every suitcase that you have so that you always have one with you. That's just one less thing to think about. Of course, make sure you wash them because no one has time for conjunctivitis. And that's going to accelerate the uh, body's ability to drift off, fall asleep, stay asleep. Uh, just make sure you remember which country and which hotel room you're in when you wake up so you're not getting too disoriented. But that can be a really easy and helpful way. Even if you're in the same country for more than a few days, again, I find them helpful when I'm here in Singapore to drift off, stay asleep. I get a better quality sleep, deeper sleep, more restful sleep uh, because I wear them. So I wanted to point that out. But, you know, the common errors are people are just turning up to the airport. They've got their passport. They've got their visa. They've got their vaccination certificate. They've thought about the weather, maybe, of where they're going. They've not thought about the bacterial environment. They've not thought about whether there's cold, flus, coughs, you know, going around where they're traveling to. They've not thought about the flu season of where they're traveling to. They're not up to speed with their vaccinations. They haven't considered 
the sunrise and the sunset time, they've not considered much outside of that. And there's so much more to consider. There's so much more to factor in to mitigate the effects of jet lag so they can maximize their productivity once they land and once they return. So if you had any main takeaways from this, I really, really want you to write them down, send that to me so that I know, because I want to know what you want to know. I think that's always helpful to give your audience what they're looking for. And if you want to, in fact, have me audit your flight uh, schedule, <laughs> not your schedule, but your, your normal approach to traveling, your flight protocol, um, we can do an audit. So I customize these flight protocols for all the busy working I work with. Um, this is my shtick, this is what we do. I want to make this process as seamless for you as possible because it's challenging enough as it is to be doing all that you're doing to add travel to that, to not be as productive when you're traveling because you don't have Wi-Fi, you don't have the ability to just call a colleague, you don't have the ability to just send off an email and ask for clarification. Travel does often slow people down uh, for those reasons. And there's a lot we can do outside of that to speed things up and keep the body moving and the brain moving so that we can still feel like we're moving the needle on our work and workload. So if you want your own flight audit to be done, I want you to write in the comments section, send me your email if you're on Instagram, just slide into my DMs. I'm at team Laura Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S and leave me your email address or leave me your Instagram handle so that I can connect with you and we can go through your um, your own personalized flight protocol which we will put together uh, piece by piece so that your streamlining can be done for you so that your, your travel can be streamlined, it can be easy, it can be seamless and it can be a lot more productive and effective than just turning up, trying to drink water and hoping for the best. That's just not a game plan, guys. That's just not a game plan. We should be hydrating at least 48 hours beforehand. We should be taking electrolytes. We should be considering the natural sunrise and sunset time and how much lux of light you're going to be exposed to, when you're going to get exposure to that light, etc. So with that said and a whole lot more, I hope you enjoyed today's live training. What would you like me to talk about next? I wanna know, let me know, give me your suggestions. I'm always happy to hear you out. And if you want a copy of this live training, again, just let me know, I'll send you a copy and the accompanying PDF. Just leave me your email in the comment section. If you're on Instagram, hello, hi, slide into my DMs. I will send you a copy of today's training. And but for now, that is all. Thank you again for watching. I hope you have an amazing rest of the week and safe travels for those of you who are traveling. Safe travels. Thanks guys. Guys, that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Real Talk with your gal pal. That's me, Laura Rogers. Please be sure to leave us a review. Give us your feedback on what else you would like me to talk about. I always want to deliver content on things that excite you and that are going to benefit you in your health and fitness journey. So do give us a review. Before you forget, I know you're busy. I've got to run off and record another episode. Do check us out on the other social media platforms listed below as well because you might just like what you see or hear there. So, you know, be sure to do that. I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. And again, please leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. It would mean the absolute world to me. Stay healthy and I'll see you in the next one.